Well, it's time for the only show that doesn't care about ratings, Witness Radio, with your host, Ryan Muniak. Welcome to the only show that doesn't care about ratings. Our sole purpose is to save souls, on purpose. Go to witnesstalkradio.org for more episodes and syndication options. You can connect with the show on social media or by calling 513-900-8070. Today, I'm on location at Answers in Genesis to chat with Roger Patterson. Roger was brought up in a Mormon household but converted to atheism when he was a teen. He became a science teacher and instructed biology and chemistry students from an evolutionary worldview. Thankfully, God convicted Roger of his sin, and he was converted not only to Christianity, but to a biblical view of creation. Now, he writes articles and curriculum for Answers in Genesis. Roger, thank you so much for being with us on the show. Great to be with you this morning. Tell us more about your early life as a Mormon. Well, in a in a quick nutshell, um, my uh, mom and dad were married. My dad was not a religious uh, um, shotgun wedding situation, and they were divorced by the time I was five. And my sister and I went to live with my mother's uh, family down in the Salt Lake area, and they had been uh, devout Mormons for generations, so a very uh, strong Mormon history on my mom's side of the family. And so from uh, age, uh, a very young age, even before five, uh, I was raised in uh, the Mormon faith, going to uh, Sunday services every week and then eventually uh, participating in a program they called seminary, which is kind of a religious uh, education release time during high school in my uh, freshman year. So up through that point, I was a very uh, compliant, good kid for the most part. Uh, I liked to study and learn. And so learning about the Mormon faith and, and uh, memorizing all the different creeds and things that they use was just uh, something I did as part of showing how smart I was and those kinds of things. And there was a, a point eventually where uh, I was baptized into the church at age eight and then uh, received the priesthood, uh, the Aaronic priesthood at age 12, participated in some of the temple ceremonies, baptisms for the dead, and uh, was very, in, very involved in, in church life. You, you actually did some of these baptisms for the dead and, and you were in like the temple? Uh, yes, and we lived in northern Utah after my mom – I I forgot that part. My mom got married to a, a Mormon man, and we lived in uh, northern Utah near Logan. So, yeah, in the temple in Logan, I did baptism for the dead ceremonies when I was about 12 or 13. Okay, so tell us, what takes place with these baptisms for the dead? Well, uh, in Mormon theology, they understand the gospel to not just be – uh, the good news of salvation, but Joseph Smith taught a four-part gospel that uh, one of those parts is that you have to receive baptism. So if you don't receive baptism, you can't achieve the highest level of heaven, uh, which brings up a whole other topic, but we'll, we'll not run down too many rabbit trails too quickly. To receive that highest level of heaven, a person must be baptized. And Mormons don't believe that after you die, that's the last chance you have to hear the gospel. They actually believe that when people die who haven't been able to hear the gospel or respond to those things, uh, they go to a place called the spirit prison. 
and in the spirit prison, faithful Mormons can, um, who have already died as well, can go from their uh, place to the spirit prison and preach the gospel to them. Hmm. And if someone else has been ba- baptized in their place, so when they do baptisms for the dead, it's a proxy baptism. If you've been baptized by someone else, who someone's been baptized in your name, and you respond to the gospel in the spirit prison, then you have the opportunity to advance to one of the higher levels of, of heaven, and you're not bound for that lowest level. And this is all totally contrary to Scripture. Hebrews 9.27 comes to mind, and it is appointed for man once to die, and after that comes judgment. Absolutely. So, And, and one of the uh, very, very real things in my life as I've uh, come to faith in Christ is recognizing things that when I was younger, I didn't recognize contradicted the Bible, uh, but were taught to me and I received them and, and trusted the people who were in authority over me. And now uh, working here in a ministry like Cancers and Genesis, I have the opportunity to help people understand some of those things. Tell me about the temple. From what I've heard, that's very secretive, very hush-hush. Nobody outside of the Mormon faith is able to step foot inside the temple. Is that right? Um, not quite, but <laughs> okay. Go go um, into that. Explain to there's the a listeners. when uh, when a new temple is first built. Uh, just to to make it clear to the listeners, um, the temples are not the places where uh, the the Mormons meet for their regular meetings. So if you see along the side of the road, like down the road here off of, of 20, we have a Mormon meeting house. Uh, they're, they're organized into uh, groups by region, and then a region has a bunch of smaller groups called stakes, and a stake is made up of wards, which might have a couple hundred members in each ward. So they're of, often referred to as the ward house or the meeting house. Those are the typical buildings that you'd see that we would equate to our church buildings. Uh, the temples are special places that they use for ceremonies that are only uh, for Mormons. And so they would do things uh, like marriages in the temple. You can uh, be married in the temple. They believe that families are united forever. So they do what they call sealing ceremonies where families are sealed to one another in the temple. And uh, other types of things like the baptisms for the dead and other works, uh, a lot of things that I've, I've not been involved in. Uh, but the, the temple is seen as a, a sacred place for Mormons. And in order to um, have the right to enter the temple, even as a Mormon, you have to be considered faithful and you have to get a what's called a temple recommend. Uh, when I was younger, they were paper cards and, and then plastic cards. And so it has your information on it. And to be able to enter the temple, you have to have this temple recommend or a temple card uh, to be able to go in. And so that's a, an acknowledgement from your local leadership, which they called the bishopric or even uh, the stake president in some cases, depending on the situation. That allows you to enter into the temple and participate in the different rituals and things that happen there. Okay. Those things aren't given out to just anybody, but uh, for the uh, faithful Mormon uh, belief followers, they can get the temple recommends, get the special cards and be able to go in. And tell me about, it's kind of a a big joke. Uh, Tell me about the special underwear. (laughs) 
Well, that's that's one of those things that kind of bugs me a little bit because um, it it might be it might seem like something to kind of poke fun at, but really uh, they believe that it's just a it's a form of uh, modesty, and so they use those to help them uh, be modest. So in and the typical clothing would come just above the knee and then uh, sleeves a drop over the shoulder. And they use that so that they can uh, have some modesty markers. So there's a bit of a, um, a bit of a legalistic uh, flavor to those undergarments that we have, that are referred to as the temple garments. And uh, again, those are only things that the faithful Mormons would be uh, required to wear and, and allowed to purchase. There, there are some older stories from within Mormonism about why those came to be and, and different things. And in the early years, there were symbols on them that very clearly had uh, a lot to do with the um, Masonic rituals that Joseph Smith was involved in. And, and when we look at uh, Mormonism and especially the temple rituals and ceremonies and uh, they involve a lot of secret handshakes and and these symbols of the square and the and the compass and those types of things to denote different aspects. Uh, they understand it a compass to be morally straight and a square to have a, a rules to live your life by. Uh, so they're really doing it for a a good reason, although a very legalistic reason to help promote uh, chastity and purity. Okay, well, that's the first time I've ever ever actually heard the explanation behind it. Like you said, a lot of people think of it as a big joke, as comical. So it's great to finally hear exactly why they do those things, even though, like you said, it is out of legalism. It's also a, a sense of moral uh, yeah, it's it's a moral obligation. And, right. and as we think about sharing the gospel with Mormons, if we're making fun of different aspects of their religious views and, and mocking them, uh, that's going to put some stumbling blocks in the way to sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. So as I teach evangelism classes at my uh, local church and uh, have opportunity to share with people about uh, interacting with Mormons, that's one thing I always recommend is don't make fun of people's religious views. If we want to, we want to have serious conversations and serious dialogue and ask them to really consider these things. And we start by poking fun of them and saying, ha ha ha, this guy did that and that guy did that. And oh, you used to be a bunch of polygamists and ha ha ha. All that's going to do is, is set up a wedge between you automatically. So I would typically um, encourage people as they're sharing the gospel with uh, Mormons to avoid those type of, types of topics. Maybe bring them up later as a relationship develops and you can talk about them a little bit more. So you weren't always a Mormon. You actually came out of the Mormon faith when you were in your teenage years. What was it that sent you running from the Mormon faith or, or made you reconsider what you had always known to be true? Well, my my testimony is a little different than what you'll hear from a lot of Mormons. Um, not only does it involve uh, the religious angle, but also the family angle. As I mentioned, my parents were divorced when I was young, and so I was back and forth between mom and dad uh, through my early years and lots of contention there. And my stepdad uh, was 
a little hard to live with and a little overbearing and and there were lots there was a lot of friction there in the home and so a lot of it was just not wanting to deal with that situation and wanting to move back and live with my dad but in the midst of all that uh, there was a lot of hypocrisy in inside of mormonism and mm-hmm. as i i started to recognize some of those things everybody wears a very plastic face on sunday and everybody's happy and and at the get-togethers, everybody's uh, promoting this very positive, perfect family image. And because it's a works-righteous group, there's a lot of pressure uh, to perform and to have this perfect family that teaches uh, the doctrine of the church and those things. And the kids all turn out good and every uh, boys all go on a mission. So there's a lot of pressure there. And that promotes a lot of Hypocrisy, where people will look one way on Sunday and then in the the rest of the week, for example, this is might seem a little bit petty, but the bishop's son was a bully and he was totally uh, in, mean to everyone at school and just tried to get his own way and everything. And yet on Sunday he was the the prize little pet, and so it was just things like that. That's just one anecdote, but uh, it was things like that that just made me realize the hypocrisy and. Even at age 13, um, I recognized that and just started to hate everything that was uh, religious or had anything to do with God. And so at that point, I um, I basically sued my mother to transfer custody to my dad and went to live with him and, and would have said at that point, I'm an atheist. I hated everything to do with God. Um, I was very involved in Boy Scouts and loved to be outdoors and was advancing almost to my, to my Eagle rank. And because the only Boy Scout troop in the area where we went back when I went to live with my dad in Idaho, uh, was related to the Mormon church, um, I wouldn't pursue it because I didn't want anything to do with that religious stuff. And so at that time, I got involved into alcohol and pornography and and just a partying lifestyle, a small town, rural town in Idaho. Uh, there's not much to do on a Friday night other than go shoot things and get drunk. And, and so <laughs> that was the that was the lifestyle I lived. And unfortunately, it was supported by my father in those things as well. The way you were describing it, it almost sounds like you were in a modern Christian church. I know that a lot of teenagers in the modern Christian church area, they have the same feelings of there's all this hypocrisy. You you look one way on Sunday and you look like another way the rest of the week. There's a distinction between the biblical Christian church and the modern Christian church, by the way. But why do you think there's so such a similarity between the Mormon church and the modern Christian church? Well, I think it's part of human nature to want to follow rules and to just have a have a set of guidelines. And if I do the X, Y, and Z, I'll be okay. Rather than stopping and examining our hearts and understanding uh, what's in our hearts and how that influences our real lives, uh, that God doesn't just look at our outward actions, but he knows our thoughts and the, the intents of our hearts. And those are the things we'll be judged by. And so there's this mentality of um, I'm comparing me to the next guy and, oh, I'm better than him because I didn't do this and that. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to church every Sunday and I'm doing these right things. And so there's, there's that very uh, veneer type of Christianity where uh, people think that just following this set of rules and, and doing these basic things is going to uh, make them right with God. 
and uh, at least it'll make them right with their community because everyone around them says, oh, they're good kids, they're going to church. And uh, even in my local church, which I think is a wonderful church and has great teaching, and uh, even in, in there, I, I know of kids in the youth ministry. I'm one of the elders who oversees youth ministry, and there are kids in there who are playing that game. And it was mm-hmm. it was just like me for a long time. I was playing that game of of putting on the the good face and memorizing the the catechism type questions and those types of things, uh, but on the inside, I was rebellious, and that certainly came out uh, after I moved back to live with my dad. Yeah, no, I I was in very similar shoes, but in a modern Christian church instead of a Mormon temple or a Mormon meeting house. You're listening to Witness Radio. There are things that cause the heart to wonder. Or inspiring things that can't be explained. That you never thought you would see. After more than 4,000 years, it's your moment to encounter the Ark. The voyage begins again, July 7. So... You went from Mormonism into atheism. What made you go dive into atheism instead of another religion? Um, I, I've thought a little bit about that, and I don't know for, for sure the answer to that question. Uh, as I went back to live with my dad, he was just a, just a normal good guy in the community. He ran the highway department, and my... Um, grandmother went to church regularly and I remember going with her a couple times when I was younger but I just wanted absolutely nothing to do with anything related to God and I I stayed that way for a number of years uh, involved in lots of things and for some unexplained reason uh, which I now understand to be God's providence in my life uh, at age 16 there was a, a summer period where I thought about my father's life and things that were happening in my life. And I said to myself, whatever he has done, I want to do the opposite because I saw where those choices were leading in his life. He had been remarried and had more kids and was headed toward a second divorce, uh, which happened during my junior year of high school. And I just, something in me said, I don't want that lifestyle. Um, no one in my family had gone to college or any of those types of things. And I was very um, smart and and knew that that was the path I was headed down, going to college. And, and I wanted to be different and, and not uh, work on the farm and, and be a laborer all my life like a lot of my family had been. Uh, I loved living on farms and, and doing those things, but just something different for me. I look back now and know that that was God's providence in those things, whether it was a selfish action or not. Um, And then this cute Christian girl came to my school (laughs) uh, my junior year, and my best friend's father was kind of uh, talking to me. He was an elder at the local Lutheran church, and he was dropping me little books and and having talks with me occasionally and trying to get me. I went to church a couple times at their church, and so I was kind of leaning back towards, okay, so maybe there's a God, but he really didn't make any difference in my life at that point. Mm-hmm. Before we touch more on that, I want to go back to your family 
No, both sides were Mormon. No, just my mother's side is Mormon. My dad's side of the family, um, my mom or my grandmother went to church occasionally, but really no religious influence on that side at all. Is everyone still non-religious or Mormon, or ha- have some of them? been saved as well. On my dad's side, I think I have one aunt and a couple of her children who are probably believers. And um, it's they're kind of refreshing to be with when <laughs> we're, we're at family uh, get-togethers and things like that, uh, which we only get to do every few years since we're so far away. But nobody else, as far as I know, on my dad's side, my grandmother and, and one aunt. Um, on my mom's side, most of that family is very involved in the Mormon church. Uh, she has one sister who uh, went wayward and and married the town rebel, so kind of like the situation with my mom. And so they're not involved in Mormonism at all. And on um, the rest of my mom's family are pretty heavily involved. Uh, my aunt uh, has been involved in working with the church publications. So when I was younger, I'd go to work with her at the church office building, which is the big tall building in the middle of downtown Salt Lake, uh, right across from the temple square where the temple is and the visitor center. So I'd spend time running around down in the visitor center and lo- watching the videos and, and learning all of that stuff that they teach there. Uh, so the, very involved in the church and and the temple and additional mission work and those types of things. So that side is very involved still. Okay. Well, that's something that the listeners can be praying about is for your family members to be saved, not only out of Mormonism, but just saved in general. Yeah. And my my mom and grandma are actually visiting with us right now. They've been here for about a week and I've had some good talks with them. They actually came and sat in on my evangelism class last Sunday where we were talking about Jehovah's Witnesses, mm. and they asked some questions, and And the lesson before that was on Mormonism, so there were some follow-up questions, and I was relating some of those things. So that led to some good discussions, and we uh, got to point to – I got to point to the Bible and, and ask her some hard questions. Um, talks I've had with my mother uh, for years, and now we're in the phase with her where she knows the truth and we're just praying for her and reminding her of those things. Two years ago, my grandpa passed away and my grandmother came, and so it was a tough time to be talking about those things. But we did a little bit, but this time we've had the opportunity to share some more. So we're praying for, for that to bear fruit. So again, listeners, please pray for Roger's family. Now, you... Were, you had brought up the fact that you got to know this Christian girl in school, and her dad was giving you gospel literature. And that was my best friend's dad. But your, yeah, oh, okay, your best friend's dad. I'm yeah. sorry. My wife's family. She's now my wife, but they were not. Uh, they didn't go to church. They would have claimed to be good moral people, but her parents would drop her off at Sunday school and that type of thing. Uh, so, she, as far as uh, she can determine she was saved around age nine, but she really wasn't discipled well and encouraged in those things. And so my junior year, she came. She was a year younger than me. She came to our school from the town next door, and we started uh, dating very, very quickly. And she'd read me little passages out of her Precious Moments Bible, and and we kind of joke about that. And I would smile and nod and, yeah, I don't believe all that, but that's great. And... Um, eventually I recognized if I was going to marry this girl, um, I was going to have to pretend to be a Christian. 
mm-hmm. because that was her lifestyle. And I could at least I, – I believed in some idea of God. So at that point, I, I was probably a vague theist in some sense. Um, and so we – we went through premarital counseling and I convinced the the pastor that I knew enough to be considered a Christian or whatever his criteria was. And we were married. And through college, I didn't have to go to church on Sundays because I had to work weekends and stuff like that because we worked through college. And uh, so I, I was now playing the role of the hypocrite, <laughs> the thing I had hated so much about uh, the Mormon church. Now I was putting on the show. And there was a point where after I graduated from college and I started teaching high school, I didn't have that Sunday work thing to get me out of church anymore. And I got sick of playing the hypocrite. And so there was a point one summer where I said, all right, I'm tired of playing this game. I'm either going to be all in or I'm going to abandon this. It's either true or it's false. I was applying my scientific, rational brain to to the Bible, I thought, and uh, so I set out to read the Bible that summer thinking I can determine whether this is true or false using my scientific analysis of of all of this stuff. And uh, I don't know exactly when. I don't have that drop to my knees moment. But at some point through uh, that winter, God saved me, changed my heart, um, convicted me of my sin, of of my amazing selfishness and pride, especially uh, not loving my wife and, and my children. I joke with people and I say, if you think I'm a jerk now, you should have <laughs> known me back then. <laughs> uh, but but God was gracious to me and, and called me to himself. And, and I repented of those things. And uh, now I sit here today, uh, about 13 years later, trusting Christ and, and uh, pursuing him by his grace. Amen. So was there any particular thing or moment that it just kind of clicked? What, and if you can think of that, what was it that really just made it click and it all started making sense to you? That's kind of the odd thing about my, about my testimony. I really don't know. It just, it happened over that, through that fall and, and winter season. And as I look back, I can just say, you know what? God changed my heart toward those things. It was no longer about trying to analyze and, and dice and dissect and, and pull apart every little truth, but about receiving truth. And there was a point where I recognized, especially as I was considering my career as a biology teacher, of course, you're expected to teach evolutionary biology concepts. Uh, in the public schools. And my wife had been nagging me, I guess, for years not to teach those things, but I believed them. So I didn't have a problem teaching them. And all of a sudden, as I was reading the Bible and understanding these things, and, and as a little side note, my wife's uncle, who was also a science teacher in Idaho, had been feeding me uh, the old creation magazine and books by Dr. Gitt and other things, uh, creationist literature that he was involved in. And so I had this box in the corner, uh, books that I'd looked through and said, oh, there's some pretty pictures. That's great. And <laughs> set them aside. Um so I had that pile of resources and there was a – I've always been a reader and, and interested in studying. Uh, it's like a – I started reading those things and a, a switch was just flipped in my brain. And it's I can't teach this evolutionary stuff anymore as truth 
as I had believed it to be. I need to teach it to be faithful to my contract as a because I'd, I've signed this contract to be a, a science teacher, so I can teach this, but I but I can't believe it. And even um, even through that for the first five or so years when I was teaching that way, I had always softly taught it. This is an idea that some people believe, and we're it was a very religious community there in Northern Wyoming, and uh, they let out activities on Wednesday night early. We never practiced past five o'clock so everybody could go to youth group and that type of stuff. So very religious community, but uh, most even the other teachers would have been theistic evolutionists at best, uh, several Catholics and others. So there was just a switch in my brain and I was not teaching that stuff anymore. And uh, just just an awesome time of growing and learning, uh, finding amazing resources online through, especially through Answers in Genesis. I'm, I'm sure I read every article and and watched every DVD I could get my hands on through that period of time. Um, so it was just a, a huge explosion of of learning and growth in that in that period of a couple of years. And within three years of that time, I was here as a curriculum writer at Answers in Genesis. So things moved very quickly from that point. You're listening to Radio. We'll continue our interview with Roger Patterson next week. If you've enjoyed this episode of Witness Radio, please share it with others. Until next time, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and share the gospel. May God bless you. Radio has been brought to you by the Muniac family.